Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail, Katy Perry, Richie McCaw and a 700-year-old oak chair meet in an abbey. It may sound like the setup to a bad joke, but it's not. It's the coronation of King Charles III. It is all about to unfold. You are about to see the magic of a springtime coronation. It's the first coronation in my lifetime and most people's lifetime. With first coronation in 70 years. But amid a cost of living crisis and changing tides of public opinion... A recent poll found nearly two-thirds of people either don't care or care very little about the king's coronation. And there's significantly less appetite for street parties compared with last year's jubilee. Will the pomp and ceremony of a big royal event strike the wrong note? the majority of us, this is going to be the first time we've actually seen a coronation, aside from those very grainy videos of Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. And maybe the recreation of that in The Crown. We might sort of think the royal family, they're just way over there on the other side of the world, but King Charles is actually our head of state. This is true, and it is a pretty monumental occasion. It's probably the biggest day of his life, really. This is Donna Fleming, Royal Correspondent for the New Zealand Women's Weekly. And there's talk about how it's being slimmed down, smaller um, than his mother's was, but it is still going to be a pretty monumental occasion. And it's an occasion steeped in history and traditions that date back a thousand years or so. And sometimes it hasn't all gone to plan. So Charles is actually the 40th monarch who is being crowned at Westminster Abbey. The first was William the Conqueror. That was back in 1066. That was Christmas Day. And that all turned to custard a bit because the crowd inside got all excited and were cheering the king and the soldiers outside thought there was an assassination attempt and got a bit carried away and set fire to the houses around the abbey. So that was all a bit of a disaster. There have been a variety of things that have gone wrong Uh, Queen Victoria didn't have a rehearsal for her coronation. She got up and left at one stage thinking things were over and they weren't, so she had to go back to her seat. When Edward VII, who was her son, when he was crowned, there were more mistakes. The Archbishop of Canterbury was pretty much blind and he misread the prayers and said the wrong thing, almost dropped the crown, and then he put it on the king's head the wrong way round. George II, back in 17... 27, his wife wore a dress that was encrusted with jewels and it was so heavy that when she knelt down to pray, she couldn't get back up again. So they had a pulley system (laughs) attached to her skirt so it pulled her up after she'd finished praying because the jewels were so heavy. Wow, and all of this in the age before social media would go viral in an instant. It absolutely would. Could you imagine it? Yeah. So I'm hoping Charles's ceremony goes off without a hitch. The Queen's did. She put a lot of effort into rehearsing before, and though she was pretty determined to do it all right. She used to wear the imperial state crown around Buckingham Palace to get used to the weight of it. So she'd be sitting there reading the newspaper and she'd have the crown on. Come the 6th of May, the day of King Charles' coronation, there will be 2,000 invited guests at Westminster Abbey, a mere fraction of the 8,000 at Queen Elizabeth's coronation in 1953. 
The actual guest list for the coronation is decided upon by the government because this is paid for by the British government. But, of course, they have been planning this very carefully with representatives from Buckingham Palace. The Duke of Norfolk is the Earl Marshal, and he oversees everything. So, obviously, Charles has a list, and he says, I would like people from these different fields to come, and the environment is a big thing, so there will be representatives from that. People who've been in the news, they've invited, I understand, the young boy who recently emerged from a tent in his garden, having spent three years sleeping in a tent. His goal was to raise £100 for the North Devon Hospice. Instead, he's raised £700,000 and counting. There's also members of the armed forces, there's a lot of veterans, NHS workers. And a contingent of New Zealanders. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins, opposition leader Christopher Luxon, VC hero Willie Apiata, former All Blacks captain and Order of New Zealand holder Richie McCaw, New Zealand Cross recipient Abdul Aziz, he holds our highest award for bravery, and senior Māori leaders Kingi Tuhetia and Dame Naida Glavish. And then, of course, there are quite a few people who haven't been invited who possibly have their noses out of joint a little bit. And I guess that's just because, you know, you cannot possibly invite everybody. Now, of course, the big, I mean, the big headline leading into this coronation has been whether Prince Harry and Meghan Markle would be attending. We just got a clearer picture of who's going to the coronation. Yeah, and who isn't going to the coronation. Prince Harry minus his plus one, Meghan Markle. It's all just been a very fraught time for the royal family, and this really has sort of overshadowed the event itself and almost, in a way, taken, taken it over in terms of the media headlines. I think it's probably a good idea. It's a good compromise. I think it would have been a terrible shame if he'd missed the coronation. This is his dad's biggest day, and for him not to have been there would have been just so sad. The fact Megan's not going to be there will make it easier in lots of respects because people won't be watching all of her interactions like a hawk and seeing if there's any issues with certain members of the family. Some of these moves around the guest list and King Charles's sort of emphasis on things around youth, diversity and sustainability, is this part of his sort of wider mission to modernise the British monarchy and better reflect the United Kingdom as it is today? Yes, definitely. He's very aware of that. People sort of think of him as being a little bit stuffy and he is 74 and you know that he's not quite with it but he is actually very well informed he is very conscious that there's a cost of living crisis in the UK as there is here the cost of living in the UK is rising protesting over pay jobs and conditions half a million workers across the country Olive oil up 49%, milk up 40%. In fact, food prices have risen to a 45-year high of 19%. And wanted the monarchy to reflect that and being pared down. He's very conscious of the fact that a lot of people don't see the point in the monarchy and that they have to be reflective of what is going on in the UK. And he wanted this to be a much more diverse occasion than previous coronations. And the public in in the UK, they're sort of encouraged to get on board with the festivities. There's a recipe for coronation quiche that I think people are being encouraged to make for their coronation parties. 
Coronation of King Charles is almost upon us, and of course they've released an official dish. It is a broad bean and spinach quiche, which, I don't know, sounds a bit dull to me. Yes, there is. So they like to come up with different dishes, I guess. And for the Queen's coronation in 1953, the dish that won was called Coronation Chicken. And basically it's chicken with a mayonnaise sauce flavoured with curry. And back in those days, putting curry powder in something was quite remarkable. So this recipe is the quiche that they've chosen from a number of recipes that were submitted. When you first read the recipe, you're a bit kind of like, a bit, I mean, a bit underwhelmed, I suppose, aren't you? It's not really much to it, and you think, is it going to be worth it? But actually, it's, it's very nice. Yeah. And there's going to be something called the Big Lunch. Which we hope the whole nation will get involved with, and that there'll be street parties and picnics and everything going on between the, the 6th and the 8th. The idea is to bring communities together over the coronation. They're also doing something on the Monday called the Big Help Out, which is encouraging people to volunteer and do something for others because that's something King Charles is very big on, is communities supporting each other. And, of course, there's going to be a big coronation concert. We've got headlining Katy Perry. They said I was allowed to stay at Windsor Castle, which I'm really excited for. You're going to be following along on social media. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> Thank you so I, I might be posting a lot because nice. I'm going to be in a castle for real. <laughs> this is wild. Lionel Richie. Andrea Bocelli. Three-fifths of Take That. Robbie Williams won't be there. Nor will Ed Sheeran or Harry Styles. They were all reportedly too busy. There's going to be a choir made up of people from all over the country, so different community groups, different um, ethnic groups. I think the idea is that that will be really important to represent Britain as a whole. While King Charles might be trying his best to modernise the institution, the coronation will still feature plenty of long-standing traditions. Well, there's things like the regalia that they get given. So the monarch sits in the chair, they're handed a succession of regalia, scepters and an orb and a coronation ring, which all have meaning. The orb during the coronation is handed to the monarch. It's a representation of sovereign power. The sphere symbolizes the globe and the cross represents Christ's dominion on the earth. And that all culminates with the crown at the end. And it's going to be the one and only time that that King Charles wears this particular crown, right? It is. So what happens is when he is crowned, the crown that is put on his head is Edward's crown. After a blessing, the monarch will be dressed in a spectacular gold robe and then be presented with the sword of offering and the armils before finally receiving the sovereign's orb and having St Edward's crown placed on their head. It's named after Edward the Confessor. This particular crown was actually uh, made in 1661 and the previous crown had actually been melted down by Oliver Cromwell after uh, King Charles I. And it's very heavy. I think it's a few, several kilos. Yeah, I think it's about two kgs. Which is, it might not sound much, but having that perched on your head for quite a while is pretty hard on the old neck. So that's the crown that will be used for the actual coronation, but he will take that off and that will be replaced by the imperial state crown which is, I think it's about half the weight. It's just over a kilo. And that was actually made for Queen Victoria's coronation in 1838. And that will be the crown that he wears in the coach going back to Buckingham Palace and that he will wear when he goes out on the balcony and waves to everybody 
Now, what do you know about the coronation chair? I think it's, what is it, about 700 years old and it's the oldest piece of furniture in the UK that's still being used for its original purpose? It is, yes. I think it was made in the late... 13th century. It has lasted all of that time. It's actually got graffiti on the back of it, where it was graffitied by visitors to the Abbey in the 19th century. I'm now cleaning the seat, which is covered with 18th and 19th century graffiti from visitors and Westminster schoolboys. So there's P. Abbott, slept in the chair, 5th, 6th of July, 1800 which is quite interesting. I think it's still there. It's been restored many times. In fact, they had to restore it in 1914 because a bunch of suffragettes who were trying to get their point across about women getting the vote left a bomb in Westminster Abbey and it went off and damaged the corner of the chair. So they had to rebuild it. During World War II, they were scared that it was going to get bombed again and they actually moved it, I think, to Gloucester Cathedral, put it in a bunker to keep it safe. So this is pretty incredible, the history of this chair. Um, I would be a little bit nervous about sitting on it, I have to say. It doesn't look particularly comfortable either. It's a fairly uh, (laughs) sort of rectangular shaped in a way, very straight back wooden chair. I don't envy Charles having to sit on that. But apparently it will be a much shorter ceremony. The Queen's coronation was about three hours. I think they're looking at around just over an hour. I mean, why Why is that? Is this, again, King Charles looking to modernise, break with some of those traditions, put his own sort of stamp on, on what a coronation would be in, in the modern world? I think so. I think he's realising that, yes, everyone likes to see the pomp and ceremony, but they don't want to be overwhelmed by it all, that they will just do what's necessary The other thing is the longer it takes, the higher the costs. So things like security, the security bill for the coronation is going to be huge. So if they can cut it down time-wise, obviously the bill to pay for all the police and other security is not going to be as high. And it's just modernising it. You know, people these days, we have short attention spans. So people aren't going to want to sit through three hours of a very long-winded ceremony. Can you talk me through maybe some of the traditions that Charles is breaking with or putting aside this time around? I mean, some of the things he's already done is he's said to the peers who are attending the Lords of the Realm that they don't have to wear coronation robes. So normally they turn up in all their finery and it's a Big palaver, really. I think I'd read um, one story perhaps on the BBC that he's expected to wear a military uniform rather than the stockings and breeches that we might um, be familiar with from some of the paintings of, of former kings. It's a bit hard to know. There's been a lot of debate about that, whether he will wear a uniform or whether he will just wear a suit. I would imagine he would wear a uniform because he does have a history in the military and I think he would want to depict that. And whenever you see him at special occasions, he's wearing a uniform, but he will still wear the ancient robes that are part of the whole ceremony. The gold state coach. Now, this is only wheeled out for a coronation. Sounds like it's pretty uncomfortable. So they're making some changes there too. They are. So 
for the Queen's coronation and other coronations, I think the Gold State coach dates back to 1761. The Queen set out for Westminster Abbey in the Gold State coach. It weighs nearly four tonnes. Horrible. It's not meant for travelling in at all. <clears throat> I mean, it's just not, it's only sprung on leather. So it rocks around a lot. So it's not very comfortable. You can only go at a walking pace. The horses couldn't possibly go any faster. It has to be pulled by eight horses, and the guy who restored it compared it to a creaking galleon, and it sways from side to side as it moves. So they've come up with a compromise this time. So Charles and Camilla will leave Buckingham Palace and they will go to Westminster Abbey in a different carriage. That's the um, Diamond Jubilee carriage. And that was actually built in 2012. And it's got air conditioning, I think. Yes. They did an amazing job with that. So it's got like a crown on top of it. And that was that comes from wood that comes from HMS Victory, which was the ship used by Nelson at the Battle of Trafalgar. So there's that bit of history there. And inside the carriage, it's lined with different materials that have come from notable British buildings. So uh, it's got bits of wood and metal from things like Windsor Castle, Buckingham Palace, St Paul's Cathedral, Westminster Abbey as well. There is a very religious aspect to the coronation ceremony because it is when King Charles is anointed the head of the Church of England. You know, there are many traditions in this that are associated with that role. The sovereign is then anointed, blessed and consecrated by the Archbishop of Canterbury. The king will remove his crimson robe and sit in King Edward's chair and the Archbishop will use an eagle-shaped ampulla to anoint him in the form of a cross. It is a very religious ceremony and the Queen was actually very deeply religious, which is why she wanted the ceremony to reflect that side of her. And I think Charles wants to reflect that... Well, things have changed in the 70 years since his mother's coronation and Britain is now, and the Commonwealth is now a much more diverse place. So it would be interesting to see there could be parts of the ceremony that reflect other faiths. We just don't know, but I wouldn't be at all surprised. Let's talk about some of those those factors that are at play in the UK and I guess the world at large around declining support of the monarchy, the UK's cost of living crisis, much, much the same as ours, if not kind of worse. How is that sort of affecting how people see the coronation, how they're anticipating it, what it's actually going to look like come May the 6th? Yeah, there is a fine line between doing the traditions, the pomp and circumstance that the UK is known for and overdoing it. There are a lot of people who think it's not a good idea because this is taxpayer funded, the coronation being a state occasion. If they didn't do it properly, people would get upset and say, well, that's not what we're known for. We're known for you know, the, the carriages and the procession and the pomp of it all. So they have to do that side of things. But apparently they have decided that if they're going to do it, they are mindful of ensuring that there's value for the taxpayer, according to one of the cabinet ministers who's responsible for this. 
And they've said that, you know, it's right that we celebrate this moment in the life of our nation in the appropriate fashion and in a way that the nation can come together. So they're hoping that, you know, because it's in the UK as everywhere, it's been a tough three years with the pandemic and the financial crisis that's resulted. So basically they want to do it properly and they've said we don't want to scrimp and scrape because it wouldn't look good. It's got to be appropriate, but we don't want to go over the top. So they're talking about it costing, there are just estimates at the moment, but it could cost around £100 million, which is just short of $200 million. A lot of that will be the security bill. But the other thing that it's also going to cost money is their giving the country a public holiday. So Monday is what's known as a bank holiday. A few people have had a grumble about that, but then they've also pointed out that, well, it's going to bring in a huge amount of money in tourism. You're looking at over a billion pounds, nearly $2 billion in tourism. And also the television rights will fetch quite a lot of money because it's going to be beamed around the world. So hopefully that will put a little bit more cash back into the taxpayer's purse. People won't be so upset about the money that's going to be spent on this. Does King Charles even need to have a coronation? He was made king as, when his mother died. I mean, what, what do you think? Technically, no, he doesn't. He doesn't actually officially need to have a coronation. Like you say, as soon as his mother died, he became king and he's been known as King Charles since then. But this is just sort of putting the icing on top in a way. And it is officially saying that he is the head of state, he's the head of the church, that's an important part of it. And it's just officiating, making everything official. So it is important in that respect. But technically, no, he doesn't actually need to be crowned. And for example, King Edward VIII didn't have a coronation, but he was still known as King Edward VIII for, I think it was 11 months that he was king until he abdicated. So that doesn't make him any less of a king, it's just he didn't have the official ceremony. And yeah, and all the people who made the mugs and the tea towels with his face on it, probably not too happy about that. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by William Saunders. Our producers were Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to the Women's Weekly's Donna Fleming. Toodle pip. Listener.